<laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I guess we're recording. That was a little weird of us start there. I don't know why it did that, but uh, here we are. Um, welcome to Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. We are here on the Complete Media Network. And as always, on Monday, we've got our best friend here, Jason Cameron's joining us. Hey, buddy, how's, uh, how was your weekend? Uh, how's your Monday? Uh, weekend was good. I didn't do anything. It was exactly what I needed. Perfect. It was, it was perfect. It was very, very relaxing and stuff. I, well, I shouldn't say not anything. I did help out my cousin with some stuff on uh, Saturday, but other than that, I, I, I very much took it easy and, uh, it was much needed. I was really tired from the week. Yeah. Really so was I. Yeah. I, yeah I, uh, I did a bad thing on Friday. I, um, I, I got up early cause I wanted to watch the women's soccer team play Sweden to try to get the gold medal. So I woke up at 5 AM to watch that game. Uh, so I watched, uh, the game before work headed to work. Uh, I was working in South Langley. Uh, we didn't get out of there till se- after seven, and uh, I started driving home. And it's a pretty far drive, and I started feeling so tired. I was like, "Oh man!" And I was opening the window. I was slapping myself. I was listening to the radio really loud. But I should have pulled over. I. I, I, I really should have had a nap there because, man, I, I it was a long week and I was just exhausted. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't run the risk of falling asleep driving like that. So I, I, I learned my lesson. Uh, I, I'm going to pull over next time. But, yeah, it was tough. Uh, long week and, uh, yeah, I felt super, super tired Friday night. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been there. We, I, you know, like anybody that works in our industry, I believe, has been there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, no shame in pulling over and just getting a couple Z's, getting a couple shutouts to make sure that you get home, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Today was um, kind of a day uh, that I felt a bit sad about. Uh, first Monday I've worked in six months. Um, <laughs> I didn't work on the latest, the last show before this one. I didn't work Mondays because we always did this and I always wanted to have a great weekend, you know, absorb the weekend sports, get ready for this and and have some great podcasts with you, other podcasts with others. And so I didn't work. I, I, I was asked one Monday, six months ago, if I could work that Monday. And I had a terrible week. I was like exhausted, 60 hours just did me in. And I was like, oh man, not going to do that again. So I refused a couple other Mondays that were asked of me uh, after that. Uh, then I started on this show. I was supposed to start on a Monday. Uh, that got pushed later in the week. And then last week, we had the holiday Monday. So uh, it's been crazy. But six months uh, since I've worked on a Monday, this is uh, going to be a tough week, buddy. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. But you've been spoiled for six months. Six <laughs> months you've been spoiled. And now when you finally have a Monday, you're like, oh, oh man, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, I stayed up a bit late uh, last night too. Um, we we went and had a, a few beers uh, at a couple of uh, really nice decks. We found some uh, some great spots. Uh, we found a spot over in Delta on the water. It's really nice, peaceful on the 
uh, I guess it's an arm of the river there. And uh, yeah, it's just nice outdoor deck. I don't think that, you know, there's been so many more extra decks put into restaurants and bars these days. And this one, I don't think existed before. And it's just pushed right out onto the water there. You saw people paddling by, you see boats coming by and people actually were pulling up to the dock, coming for a beer and then going back, getting on their boats and heading off. It was pretty cool. Oh, that is awesome. That yeah. is, that is great. What was the name of the, 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 the pub restaurant that you went to? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was called speeds. I think it's called. Speeds. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's, that's a good one to go for me to go visit at some yeah. point. Yeah, they had a place uh, right next door called Sharky's, and then it's called Speeds, I think it is. And uh, then there's yeah, there's a there's three places along that that waterway, and really beautiful, nice decks, and uh, really good. You get to sit out there and see people. You know, there was kayakers and canoers and boats, and yeah, it was awesome. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Oh, that, that's great, man. That's great. That's great seeing that people are getting out there again and like, I don't know, interacting with society, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Say. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say a thank you right off the top. Uh, Larray was able to deliver my computer so we could do this on time. Uh, I had my computers over at her place and I figured I could get off work drop by her place, grab my computers and everything and, and be here on time. But it wasn't going to work because I was asked to stay late. So I uh, really appreciate her being able to drop these off so we could do this on time. Oh, that is awesome. She is awesome. I, I appreciate it too so that we could do this on time. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, a fantastic weekend in the World of sports, as always, uh, Olympics wrapped up, which was pretty incredible and fun. Uh, Canada had its best performance ever. Uh, the U.S., for all of our American viewers and listeners, uh, had an incredible performance. They, they led the, the way with 113 medals, 38 gold, uh, 38 or 39 gold, and uh, topped the list there. Um, there was a lot of lists that were showing China above them because they had more gold, even though they were way behind them in the total medal count. But right at the end, the U.S. ended up getting one more gold medal than China. So they topped the list. But uh, super proud of Canada, uh, tied for the most golds we've ever had in a non-boycott Olympics and the most medals we've ever had total um, in, in a non-boycott Olympics, 24. Uh, amazing amount of great performances by uh, our local athletes here. Oh, that's 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 fantastic. It's uh, they should be all the athletes that competed should be super proud to represent their country and especially those that won medals or medal. It's, uh, it's a great honor, you know, yeah. to, to 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 represent your country like that. So, for the Olympics and especially yeah. When you medal. yeah, so great. And, you know, this was tough because. COVID uh, hit and they decided to postpone it for a year. Um, unfortunately, uh, Japan was hit by another wave uh, just as these Olympics came in. Uh, it was really tough to not see fans in the stands. Uh, that just adds so much electricity and atmosphere to these Olympic Games. And most of these venues were really empty except for uh, other competitors and a few other um, you know officials and things like that. But... Um, you know, it's to, I, I feel really bad for the Japanese government and the Japanese people because I think they spent $29 billion 
on this endeavor and they're not recouping it because you know they couldn't sell tickets and stuff like that uh, uh, that's just so brutal and I, I, I really really wish that uh, it could have been you know I know they didn't want to postpone it another year but I just wish it could have just worked out so that they could have recouped a lot of the money that they spent yeah because that uh, super expensive bill to not be able to pay literally mm -hmm. uh, you know like and it and it sucks and it sucks because these competitors, they train so hard to show their skills, but they get to show their skills to an empty stadium. Yeah. That kind of sucks. Kind of sucks, man. But unfortunately, that's the situation that we're in. But at least, you know, they had the chance to compete and people got to see them on the television screen. So Yeah. Another aspect of it that was quite tough was uh, they, none of them could have their families there. Uh, so, you know, a lot of them, you know, their families have been there right from the start, super supportive, uh, able to talk to them when they're feeling a little bit apprehensive, they're having any type of mental um, health issues and stuff. And we, we saw that uh, Simone Biles, considered the greatest gymnast of all time, she um, decided that uh, she is having some mental health issues and she needed to pull out of a lot of events she was in. And um, she she got a lot of praise for her courage to you know tell people that she was having these difficulties, uh, divulging that um, she wasn't uh, mentally ready to to compete. And uh, yeah, she was so well received by you know her coming out and saying this that I I was really really happy. I didn't see any negativity about it at all. Well, uh, at this point in time, there shouldn't be any. There should only be support. Everybody knows how hard it has been to get through this pandemic. No. And it should be even doubly or triply as hard for an athlete that has all that pressure on them to perform at the highest level. No. So with that as well, on top of all of this, this weird scenario that none of us have ever really experienced ever before. Yeah, it, 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 it's tough and it, it's mentally taxing. And I, I applaud her for taking her time out that she needed so that she can get mentally right. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Um, they said that uh, a lot of these Olympic committees and from countries around the world have now employed sports psychologists, employed counselors have, uh, you know, tried to dedicate some money and some funding and things like that to mental health, um, practitioners and people that can, they can talk to. And um, yeah, it's uh, you know the first time that we've really started hearing that about Olympians and uh, the pressure that they feel, the you know overwhelming uh, you know pressure that they feel from the country, you know really wanting them to do well. And it was five years of building up to this event, and and uh, you know some of them you know said they were really really having some struggles with it. So I'm glad that. Uh, finally, a lot of these Olympic committees are realizing that they need to put some money, not just for the physical health of the athletes, but the mental health too. Yeah, because it, uh, it's all one package. You know, like you can't have the physical without the mental. You can't have the mental without the physical. So you, it has to be all trained to the highest extent so that they can perform at the highest level. Yeah. You uh, you weren't able to watch a lot of the Olympics, I understand. Uh, did uh, is is there any moments that you did watch that uh, stand out for you? Yes, I, I did see some highlights. Um, the, the moment that stuck out to me was the U.S. men's 
uh, basketball team winning gold. All yeah. right. What stuck out to me the most was this. They actually had to battle back in that game against France to win. Yeah. But what stuck out to me is this. The rest of the, the rest of the world has caught up to the U.S. Right. Yeah. So this is no longer gimme stuff anymore. No. They can't just show up and win. They got to show up and play. Yeah. And play well. Or else they're going to be embarrassed and they're going to get beat. Yeah. That, that's what it showed me, that the rest of the globe is caught up to you. No more gimmies anymore. You're going to have to play and play well. Yeah. Well, they – uh yeah they've they've won three gold medals in a row uh they hadn't lost in i think it was 20 years uh in olympic competition but uh when france uh, when they had a little bit of trouble in their pre-game uh, pre-olympics games and then france beat them right off the top uh france was supposed to be in the final like everybody suspected um uh yeah they had their difficulties and their issues but um, Kevin Durant was, uh, to me, the, the biggest catalyst why they were able to push it over the top and get that gold medal win. Uh, he just signed a four-year, $198 million deal, uh, I guess, today. And, um, yeah, he has fully recovered from the Achilles troubles, uh, a bit of his issues that he's had this year, uh, keeping healthy. But uh, he was uh, absolutely phenomenal. Just uh, the biggest key to for them to um, get get the gold medal put around their necks again. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder why he played so well. Oh, I think I know that probably that 198 million that he knew was coming into the bank. You know, he's just like, oh, oh man, we are still <laughs> going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he pushed his uh, career earnings with that contract over 500 million now, and uh, Steph Curry. Uh, is was the first player to ever sign two contracts that were worth over two hundred million dollars each. So uh, the former teammates there. Um, another former teammate, Draymond Green. Uh, I saw him and KD actually really getting along. Seems like water's under the bridge, and they were uh, talking a lot uh, on the bench and on the court uh, during the Olympics. Uh, good to see that uh, they're getting along now. Well, of course they're getting along. They're on different teams. Everything's good now. Everything's great. And yeah. also, too, like, you know what? At the end of the day, let's let bygones be bygones, you know? Like, uh, you're a great athlete. And I think their their issue always comes down to com competitive juices are flowing. Right. The competitive nature in both of them. And I think they both realize that, and they're able to let it go. Yeah. Let it be what it is. Um, lots of uh, things stand out for me about the Olympics. Uh, Andre Degrasse uh, winning a gold medal finally. Uh, he has um, every race that he entered uh, in the Olympics, in the two Olympics that he's been in, he's won a medal, but he finally got gold wrapped around his neck. That was phenomenal. Uh, I love that 85% uh, of our medals were won by females this time. I thought that was really great. Uh, I don't know the exact figures, but it was like overwhelming. The women were the catalyst and reason why Canada was, um, you know, so successful this time. And that women's uh, soccer team, uh, they had not beat the Americans in 20 years in international play. They um, had uh, a really sour taste in their mouth from 2012. And uh, that game really turned on its head and they're very controversially lost to the U.S. 
They were able to beat the U.S. in the early rounds and go in against Sweden being an underdog and in super dramatic fashion won in the penalty shootouts. Uh, it was incredible to see them accomplish their goal finally and become uh, world champions and, and wrap those gold medals around their neck. Uh, it's, it's a memory I'm going to remember, I think, forever, and uh, it was really, really, really great to watch. That is awesome. That is awesome that our, our ladies did so well in, uh, in, in soccer, winning gold finally and getting past their nemesis of the U.S. especially <laughs> because I believe I remember that where the U.S. was whooping it up and throwing it in their face once they, 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 were, they scored like seven or eight goals against that hapless country. I can't remember which country it was. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that was brutal, yeah. And the celebrations were so over the top. So here's what I have to say about that. Canada. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We're your nemesis now. Try to beat us like that. That's not going to (laughs) happen. I love it, yeah. I love it. So, yeah, so we put uh, another Olympics to bed. Uh, We're only six months away from the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll get to see some great competition again. And Canada is more of a winter nation. We usually uh, are, you know, one of the top nations. Uh, when we were in Vancouver, we were, you know, the top uh, medal producer in those uh, Olympic Games. And so, uh, yeah, we just got to wait six more months and we're going to get to cheer on a whole new uh, crop of Olympians again. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and, and hopefully, uh, God willing, there will be more fans able to experience the Olympics, the Winter Olympics in China, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah, for sure. Um, Anything, uh, we touched on basketball just recently. Anything from the free agent frenzy that uh, comes to mind? Uh, So much money handed out. Billions and billions of dollars have been handed out this past week. Uh, Man, it's just an insane i just really wish that i would have started dribbling a basketball when i was three years old and i didn't put it away for about 15 more years past that and uh, made myself a a, a nba basketball player because holy is the money ever insane right now these guys are making 30 40 50 million dollars a year now this is a this is just, it, it's, it's shocking me. And we're seeing it every offseason. But this year, I don't know. It's just mind-blowing right now. It is mind-blowing, the amount of money that's just being thrown around to these guys. And and just, and we're talking about guys that aren't even, like, literally all-stars. No. Like, some of these guys are just really good shooters, like Duncan Robinson. Not, saying, not to say that Duncan Robinson didn't earn his contract. He absolutely did. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, like, even if you're, Let's say this: If you're an elite shooter, you're making twenty million dollars or more. Like, and that—that's a lot of—that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a huge amount of money. But yeah. oh, I was going to say two of the free agent things that kind of popped up to me um, for for what's happened is obviously Russell Westbrook to to the Lakers. Lakers, right? I, I am super curious to see how LeBron will make that work because yeah. it's not up to Russell to make that work. LeBron is going to make that work. True. I don't know how he's going to make it work, but he will figure out a way because he's LeBron James. That's number one. Number two, I thought the whole uh, scenario with Kemba Walker, very interesting Mm. because he went to OKC at first and OKC just said, no, we're good. 
We don't need a 19-point-a-night guy that has five assists a game. I kind of get where they're coming from because he is injury-prone. But that get out of here. Don't tell me that you don't need a guy like that. You wow. actually kind of do need a guy like that. Yeah. So they paid out his contract so that he could go wherever he wanted, and now he's with the Knicks. Yeah, that was uh, that was really shocking. Yeah, he's he's fallen so far to favor. Um, it was uh, surprising his exit uh, so quickly in the new regime in Boston, and then OKC. Yeah, sent him out the door, and uh, yeah, uh, the Knicks. Uh, I think you know he'll be a good fit there. Uh, they they were you know such a surprise team this past year, and. And, uh, you know, I think he'll fit in well uh, with the team that's really on the rise and seeming to get a, a, assemble a really good core around him and, and others. Yeah. Uh, the, what the Knicks were missing was a scoring punch. I think he can provide that. Yeah. The only problem with Kemba is can he be consistent with his health? If he right. can stay on the court for prolonged yeah. periods of time. Yeah. Like that, that's, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm saying it like that because it's the truth. Like he he's, he has all those knee problems. He has trouble staying healthy. Maybe I don't know. Hopefully, he changes his regiment on how to, or his physiotherapy that he's doing. Whatever he's doing, hopefully, it works for this season going forward. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Toronto, I got my Toronto Raptors shirt on. Why don't we uh, Why don't we talk a little bit about Toronto? Um, what did you think of the Kyle Lowry sign and trade and uh, all the things that came out of that? First off, I think, number one, that really worked out to Miami's uh, benefit, for sure. Um, I, I think that Kyle Lowry is going to be a major addition to that Heat squad, to that Heat team. Um, yeah. Himself and P.J. Tucker, like, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, like, I, I think they're going to be a major power in the East now going forward. Yeah. You know, like, they, they, they look really, really, really good and really, really, really strong. Yeah, they sure do. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm amazed that. Uh, yeah, they. They. That was a piece they needed, and uh, yeah, they were able to pull that off. And uh, I feel, yeah, like wow, they. They had that uh, amazing run in the bubble. Had an off year this year, but um, addressed that. You and I talked about uh, Lowry going there before the playoffs. Uh, there was a lot of talk that he was going there at the trade deadline. Didn't pull off that move, but. I guess they realized, wow, we should have done that. We should have done that, and we, we didn't pull it off. Now it's time to get it finally done. Yeah, and they, they have gotten it done. And then if you just look at the pieces that they have, like, yeah. dude, they even got Victor Oladipo coming back for a song. Because <laughs> yeah. they don't know, like, because with even with Victor Oladipo, he doesn't know physically how he's going to be. So he's just going to take a lower contract to once again prove himself that he can play because he's still coming off that horrendous quad injury, right? right. Yeah. So, but if he can play, and yeah. if he can play to the level that he was playing at before, jeez, oh, man, it, it, Miami Heat's going to be a problem for any team going through. No kidding, yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure. That seems like a pretty brutal injury that he's been, you know, uh, trying to recover from a couple of years out of the game, really. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if he's able to uh, pull this off um there have been some rumors that uh the uh nba is looking at some tampering charges uh because of this deal uh the maximum fine for tampering is is 10 million dollars 
and uh, they can veto a uh, deal. Uh, they're saying that uh, this had to have been done before that trade deadline. And 99% of the things that have been announced since that uh, free agency frenzy started were already announced before that that actual uh, deadline. So uh, I'm not sure why we're hearing about this. We're hearing about the Lonzo Ball and the Lowry trade is two that they're looking at is for some tampering. It's interesting to me because we all know what happened uh, with uh, with uh, Bogdanovich. Then that how that trade just went down the toilet. Yeah. And so with that as the example, I think all the GMs were supposed to be, I don't know, super careful with how they went about doing their trades this year. Yeah. So I'm very... I'm shocked to hear that the NBA is looking into any of these trades because I would imagine that these guys took every precaution to make sure that they were on the up and up to make sure yeah. that this wasn't safe. Yeah, so, would, yeah. 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 I, 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 I would have thought that. they would have been making really sure, being very, very careful. But, yeah, I don't know. These This came out of left field for me. I was really shocked to hear that they're doing some investigations in this. Yeah, me too. So I, I, I don't know if anything will come come from it. I think the NBA will do their investigations, and then you know everything should be fine. Oh. I think I believe, because how could you make that mistake again? You know, because you already saw what happened from from another from other organizations when they made their mistake. How could you make that mistake? I know you wouldn't. No, you just you just wouldn't think you would at all. No, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, so Toronto gets Goran Dragic. Uh, at first, they didn't think uh, he was interested in playing there, but I hear uh, he might have had a change of heart, and he's going to go there and give us his, his all. And also the young prospect, Pre Precious Achua. Uh, and I actually think um, that was a really great move by them. I think uh, he's going to be a great fit there. And uh, I looked into his background when he was drafted uh, the year before, uh, did you uh, hear about uh, what his parents named all his siblings? No, absolutely not. I, oh. I know they, they must be unique because he's precious. Yeah, he's precious. So uh, he has a brother's named God's Gift. He has a brother's named God's Will. He has a brother or a sister named grace and a sister named peace and uh i think that's the all the siblings uh but god's will and god's gift imagine being saddled with those names and having to uh go to school first of all and then uh try to live up to that name uh the rest of your life uh they, i guess they are both pastors from a church and they uh, wanted to honor god but um, I was pretty shocked when I remember reading uh, about his uh, all his siblings' names. Because that's not a nickname, right? <laughs> no, that's, that's their actual name. So you got double G and GW. All right, that's cool. <laughs> I think I'd probably just go with that if I was them. I'd be double like, oh, G, no. double W, double G and GW. GW. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, just, just call me that. Just call me that. Just call me <laughs> yeah. That. Come over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine. Yeah, you're, you're a little kid, and that's what you're hearing. You, they're, they're calling you? Wow. This stuff. Yeah, I was I was blown away. I've never heard somebody call their kids uh, by those types of names. 
No, no. I, I to be honest with you, when you were going like that, I'm like, oh, so they're they were hippies? <laughs> Parents were hippies? Right. I, don't, I don't know how else you come up with names like that. <laughs> so bizarre, yeah. Uh there's been some summer league games and I've really enjoyed that. Um uh, got to see Scotty Barnes and uh Malachi Flynn play, and uh they both looked great in the the action that I saw. Um, Scotty Barnes was a very controversial pick. Uh, everybody wanted Jalen Suggs to be the Raptors' uh, number four overall pick, but they say Scotty Barnes is uh, the man, and they think he's going to be a huge asset to them for years to come. And uh, But he looked great uh, in that summer league action that I saw. Well, you know what? I It's hard to go against Messiah Jerry yeah. what he decides to pick. Like yeah. he's, he's actually a pretty smart man, so... Yeah. If, if if that's what if that's the guy that he chose to go with, then I'm I'm very interested to see how he performs for this upcoming season because no. I know how Jalen Suggs reacted to not being picked by the Raptors. Mm. He's he basically kind of already said he's going to make it a mission to prove to people that not picking me was a mistake. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of great talent at the top of that draft, and uh, you know, all all the pundits were picking Suggs as being that number four best guy but uh, I love Jalen Green I love Evan Mobley uh, I love Suggs uh, you know I loved his game I don't I didn't know too much about Barnes so uh, you know have to look a lot more into it but as you said Masai Ujiri is uh, you know really proven himself to be uh, super astute at uh, being able to find gems out there and being able to find the the talent uh, he finally signed on the dotted line to be the president and and uh, uh, he's the president and something else. Uh, oh, vice chairman, sorry, president and vice chairman. Uh, $10 million I hear he's getting uh, to be that. I think that's the highest paid uh, uh, role uh, in that capacity in the NBA history. And, uh, you know, he's probably worth it. Uh, he was able to get the Raptors into the playoffs seven years in a row before last year. And uh, he won them a champion, helped win them a championship, and do a lot of amazing moves to to make them uh, one of the teams at the top of the Eastern Conference year after year. Yeah, and he did a lot of things where you wouldn't have thought that somebody in his position would have done. Yeah. He got rid of like a coach of the year and Dwayne Casey and brought in Nick Nurse, who was a complete unknown. Like where you was yeah. like, <laughs> who, who would do that? Yeah, yeah, out of your mind? Are you crazy? <laughs> and then, and then he pulls off getting Kawhi Leonard somehow to come and yeah. play for a year. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, it, it absolutely worked. So, yeah, yeah, you pay that guy, and he and he and he was patient about it. He was just like, well, you know, maybe they don't think I'm worth it. I'm worth it, and maybe they just want to take their time with it. So he let the organization have their time. But they, the organization did the right thing yeah. to bring that guy back because he's the only guy that's ever won you a championship. That's it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad that finally got done. It was hanging over their head for quite a long time, way too long for uh, everyone's liking. But I'm glad he's there. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like a, a multi-year deal. And uh, he'll be he'll be back there and, and doing his best to try to get that team back to the top of the mountain again. Uh, yeah, this free agent frenzy was super fun. I was really shocked like you were about the Russell Westbrook thing. I can't believe all the veterans that they're adding around him. 
uh, man, uh, you know, to see uh, Carmelo going there, to see Ariza going there, they got How uh, Dwight Howard back, uh, they got Gasol, uh, re-signed Gasol, they got um, way too many old guys in my opinion, I think they're in trouble uh, injury-wise, getting tired-wise uh, for a long, long season, uh, but, you know, I see them constantly making moves uh that you know that team just doesn't stop making moves to try to get another championship yeah and and i you know like i i heard from one of the analysts was saying that you don't win championships with 20 year olds anyways Mm -hmm. all right so at the end of the day yes they're a veteran team hopefully their health holds up more importantly as i've already said hopefully anthony davis's health holds up because literally the linchpin it's not really lebron anymore it's anthony davis if that guy is healthy especially for their playoff run then they're a problem yeah but i do love the fact that they put now capable shooters around lebron and around uh westbrook you got wayne ellington Melo anthony malik monk and uh i think it was kent basemore all all those guys shot over 40 percent or at 40 percent from three yeah. Well, so, yeah, that, yeah. That's good. That's really, really good. Malik Monk was actually fifty-eight percent from corner threes uh, last year, forty-one uh, percent from catch and shoot uh, in any other spot, but from the corner, fifty-eight percent. So uh, I can see him sort of posting up and being in that corner a lot of this season, and and being able to give if you can give him sixty percent threes from there, they're they're really laughing. Uh, it's going to be good. Uh, the other thing that stands out to me was Lonzo Ball deal. That shocked me. I don't know why the heck uh, the Pelicans do stuff like that. Uh, it, it just blows me away that uh, they make dumb moves like that because uh, I, I thought the chemistry was great between you know that team and uh, you know they had a big three that uh, could grow together and I think would really be one of those uh, elite teams eventually. But um yeah they just decided boom he was out of there i don't really get it either because i thought that the chemistry that ball had with zion was special yeah like he could find him anywhere for a lob. well maybe anybody can do it but i thought just the way that he could always spot when zion wanted to go and his passing was always on target yeah. always on point yeah. that that's that's something that you just don't want to give up not every point guard can do that. No. Right? Literally, not every point guard can do that. No. And he's also shown that he was committed to getting his shot better, which it has improved. He's committed to getting a three-point shot. Like, all the things that you want to see him improve on, he did. Yeah. And then you give him up. So I don't and, – and, and what did they get back in return? They got Devontae Graham, which I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if, if that was an improvement. Upon what you've lost. I know. Yeah. Uh, I also had a really great moment for me uh, on the weekend. I was asked to be a guest on a podcast first time, and uh, it was really fun. Uh, I was asked to be a guest from the All Even podcast that originates from New York. Barry Grant Jr. had reached out to me about a month ago and asked to be a guest on on my show on our show here and uh we had a fantastic conversation really good time Uh, he reached out to me last week and asked if i would uh, return the favor and be a guest on his 
Uh, we had a really amazing conversation. I can't wait for everybody to listen and and uh, yeah, get a chance to hear our conversation. Uh, it was a long, long, long one, so you might have to listen to it in chunks. But um, we had a blast, and uh, it was he's a, he's a really good guy, great podcaster, and uh, we had a blast. That is that is awesome. I do plan on listening to that at some point in time this week. But uh, that is fantastic because yeah. that's what we have to do as podcasters. We have to pump each other up and we have to support each other totally. in this uh, community that we are now in. I know. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it was fun. And uh, that's the first of many, I'm sure. We're, uh, yeah, we're going to be guests on many other programs and uh, yeah, it'll be a blast. Uh, one NFL note I want to mention before we talk about the UFC. Uh, did you see the hall of fame inductions did you see any of the speeches on the weekend uh particularly peyton manning uh i think it's about nine and a half minute speech uh one of the best gems probably the best hall of fame speech that's ever been delivered and it was so great so funny so uh amazing uh did you get a chance to see any of that i i didn't i didn't know that it was on so <laughs> I, I, I did not get the chance to see it, but his, his speech was that good. Huh? Oh man. So great. Hilarious. Just so witty. So funny. Uh, just on point. Just awesome. Yeah. Just, uh, the, the, it was, he should be in the hall of fame for the hall of fame speech. It was, it was the best I've ever heard. And, uh, so many great, um, honorees. Uh, they did it. Uh, the 2020 ones, uh, got inducted on Saturday night. And the 2021s got inducted on Sunday. Uh, a lot of really, really heartwarming speeches and and amazing moments for these guys. Uh, you know, to reach that pinnacle, it's an it's an ultimate. You know, for for an athlete uh, that doesn't really get any bigger than that. Yeah, it's it's the ultimate form of respect. It's just like, wow, this is what your career meant yeah. to us as fans and to the league and to everybody else associated with the game. So yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I really liked uh, Troy Palomalu's as well. And uh, yeah, to try to find some highlights. Uh, you know, it, it is a long, long, long. Uh, those are really long because they do induct quite a few guys and, and they do, you know, they never give them any time limits or anything. They just talk and it's, you know, 50, 60 years of talking about, you know, all the people that have got them to that point. But uh, yeah, really great speeches, very heartwarming. And the Peyton Manning one, I, I wanted to put a, up today and put a, a you know a bit of the clips on there but uh we keep running into some youtube where they're uh you know saying they need to do some checks on it and and then you know they they give me some issues and stuff like that so i didn't want to have any issues with this one today and just uh you can find it it's out there there's tons of places to find it uh go to youtube and i'm sure you, you'll be able to uh, see the whole thing yeah well i'm, I'm definitely gonna take a take a take a gander because it sounds like this uh speech was amazing oh yeah 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 after you watch it uh yeah send me your comments uh, let me know text me and let me know uh it, it was it was great it was really really funny okay um ufc 265 we had an amazing card from the toyos toyota center in houston uh we had the hometown boy the Derek the Black Beast Lewis uh, in a interim heavyweight champion of the world against the Frenchman Cyril Gon. Um, 
I'm just going to give you this these numbers and ask you if you know what where I'm going with and why I'm saying these numbers. There was numbers that got flashed across the screen at some point that night during that fight. 16 10 36 1 1 1. Uh do you know why those figures were put up on the screen? Strikes thrown. Yeah. And strikes landed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> strikes, significant strikes landed. Uh, yeah. There had been uh, about 60 uh, or so landed by Zero Gone, and there had been three landed by, <laughs> by the beast. One to the head, one to the body, and one to the legs. Uh, it ended up 112 to 16. Uh, complete domination. Not even close. The beast was absent. He was non-existent. Was not a factor in this fight. And uh, yeah, his stock went down. Gons went up. Looks like he probably will get that title shot against uh, Francis and Ganu now. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, like we talked off air. I'm calling Ghani the the neutralizer. Yeah. He will neutralize your offense. Whatever you do best. He will take that away from you. And now you can't do what you do best. No. His movement was so good, Oof. so high level with his footwork, his in and out movement, and the fact that he's such a huge man. But yeah. his agility and his mobility is such that it's hard for these guys to set up and throw a punch because he's already gone. Yeah. He's already moving out of the way. Yeah. And what, what Derek Lewis was not able to do was to make the octagon small for Gon yeah. and right. keep cutting it off and then all, all of a sudden trap him. He was unable to do that because when he bull rushed him, Gun did the right thing. He ran away. Yeah. <laughs> he got out of there immediately and then reset and then just started picking him apart again because he fought at his distance the entire time and Lewis was never able to get into his and that was the difference of the fight. Sure was, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, it was uh, it was shocking. Uh, you know the difference. Um, uh, Lewis was super flat-footed. Gone was just uh, super light on his feet for being 247 pounds and to move like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's rare for an athlete, a human being, to be able to be that elusive, that light on his feet. Just came in, threw his shots, got out of there. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, stayed away from the power possibility that Lewis could throw at him but uh yeah it was just one-sided affair completely lopsided victory uh he is 10 and 0 now and uh yeah looks pretty unbeatable uh he he fought his first few fights here in Canada uh first uh, few MMA fights and I always had my eye on him uh, after seeing him fight here he fight on fought under the TKO um promotion and uh, was I thought holy cow look at this guy. Uh, yeah, he looks amazing uh, But I didn't think he would uh, rise this quickly and get a interim heavyweight belt and a shot at the at championship this fast Yeah, like it, it, it's it's crazy to me to see how polished he is mm. at 10 and 0 mm -hmm. like he, he looks every time in even in that fight with against Derek Lewis every time he was in position, or Derek Lewis had him up against the cage. He was able to reverse the position immediately. Boom, yeah. And he was always in the correct technical position yeah. to control Derek Lewis. 
and I and I want to say this. I think Gane is like he's he's sneaky strong. Yeah. Like I saw many times where he outpowered Derek Lewis. Yeah. And where you're just like, well, simply looking at the two, Lewis seems like he should be the stronger man. Not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh he is a two-time Muay Thai champion in Paris and uh, has definitely uh, some experience in other disciplines, but um, man, this was just so one-sided. Uh, just couldn't believe. Um, yeah, there, and you know, he just he just rendered Lewis just non-existent. There was no output. Lewis had no chance to try to land his shots because he just wasn't there. Anytime he looked to throw a shot, he wasn't in front of him. wasn't able to you know get anything going. Uh, I guess um, yeah, they're going to have to negotiate uh you know you and i talked about it not being fair to nganu that there was this interim belt but uh now that they have an interim champion and the champion it makes sense that they're going to put these two together um but do you see any other possibilities uh happening in uh for lewis as well as gane um well I, first off nganu i think they're going to try to make him fight like Gane. I, I think they're going to try to make that fight happen. But the thing that I didn't like, because I, I remember I saw this off of like one of the promotional materials of Dana White. Dana White has a way of antagonizing, yeah. right? And especially if the guy's not doing what he wants him to do. They'll throw out things that if you're paying attention, you're just like, oh, really? Really? That's what you want to say right now. And the one thing that he said about Ngannou was like, well, he doesn't want to fight right now. He wants to be off and do this and do that. And I'm like, I don't think that was ever the issue, Dana. No. I think the issue was money, but you're making it seem like it's something completely different. Yeah. You know, right. which, is, which is his issue that he's trying to make for us, the fans, at least the ones that don't want to look into anything, is that he doesn't want to fight. Right. Couldn't be farther from the truth. True. Yeah. No. Couldn't be farther from the truth. And I hate it when he does that. It's not that nonsense. So... I'm thinking that he's going to try to make this fight happen. And you know what? If I'm in Ghana, I'd stick to my guns. I'd just be like, no, I still want to get paid more and yeah. see what he does. Yeah. Maybe they just put somebody else in there and they, they strip him of the belt. It would be the, the funniest thing ever because he just won it and then you're already stripping him of it. Mm. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Do you see uh, Do you see John Jones getting in the mix? Do you see Stipe getting in the mix at all with uh, any of these guys? Well, okay, so with Stipe, I could see Stipe fighting maybe uh, Lewis. I could see that possibly happening, but I can't see Stipe fighting for the title again because of just how vicious that knockout was and how just it, it, it's over, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But with John Jones, again, the issue is money. Money, yeah. I think if John Jones asks for less, there's a possibility. But if he keeps hard on his positioning of it has to be like 30 million or just under, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I don't know when, the, and if, if that's the deal, I don't know when he's going to step into the octagon again. Right, exactly. Yeah. The latest guy that went off about money was Sugar Sean O'Malley. He had a bunch of stuff to talk about, and he said, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, we're. We, you know, we we're bringing in people viewing, you know, for this sport and, you know, we should get paid. Uh, but yeah, let's I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit later once we go through this card. 
Uh, he's in he's in some trouble with the USC, and I, I I can see him getting caught for the things that he said. So uh, it'll be fun to break that down. Uh, co-main event was a really fun fight between two Brazilians, the legend Jose Aldo against Pedro Munoz. Um, geez, uh, Aldo looked phenomenal. Um, you know, back to his prime kind of days, and uh, I was super impressed by his performance. Munoz was game, but Aldo was just a step better. Yeah. Like it was just he was just a step better that entire fight. Um, he said he'd been working on his boxing more. It showed yeah. immensely. Yeah. His jab was on point. His combos were lethal. His counters were accurate. Um, I, I, I was just, I was super impressed with everything that he did yeah. against a very, very tough game competitor in Munoz. And then even once the fight was over, Munoz is just kind of like, well, I lost to a legend, so whatever. Yeah. Like, he seems like he was more than okay with it. <laughs> Fine, yeah, yeah. Surprising, wasn't it? Yeah, very surprising. I, I was amazed to hear that Aldo broke his own personal record for significant strikes which is totally crazy because this was a three-round fight. He has fought five-round fights uh, like so often. Uh, and the other thing that really blew me away was he's not using kicks. Uh, I don't. I I'm amazed that he goes and you know decides to get a boxing coach and and you know focus on that, but just abandon the kicks. Uh, that, that just really surprised me. Yeah, because. His kicks are one of his most lethal weapons that he has in his arsenal. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he's just doing it as a, oh, well, I'm just not going to kick for a while, and then like, maybe against another fighter, he just goes, eh, I'm going to go back to kicking. <laughs> I, just want, I just want people to remember I can still kick. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, like I, he's just so dangerous a fighter that he can actually fight a high level guy and not use one of his very very lethal weapons. And still Amazing. Win. Yeah, incredible. Uh, that was the fourth straight time that Pedro Munoz has fought a champion or former champion uh, in the UFC. So, you know, he's fighting really tough competitors. Uh, both these guys are uh, really, really, really strong and, and top of that division. And, uh, man, that was, uh, that was a really fun technical fight. Super enjoyed that. And uh, Aldo got himself 50 Gs for uh, one of the performances of the night there. And uh, he's called out TJ Dillashaw, which uh, will be a pretty cool fight if they can put that together. Oh, yeah. I really like that call out. Yeah. Like, I, I, I really like that call out. I know that TJ has to rehab that knee injury that he suffered from his last fight. Yeah. But, man. If they can make that fight happen, I would love that. I would love to see Aldo and Dillashaw get it together. That would be a fantastic fight. Yeah. Yeah, Dillashaw had to have surgery on his knee. Uh, he said uh, no ACL injury, but MCL and, and PCL, I think, and uh, some issues there. Uh, they typically suspend a guy six months when he has those types of injuries. So we're probably looking... At 2022 for a possible matchup there. Uh, who knows if Aldo wants to get busy sooner or UFC wants to put him into something else. But, oh, man, I uh, I would love to see Dillashaw Aldo. I think that would be one of the greatest fights we could ever witness. Yeah. Like, it'd just be action-packed. It would be so action-packed. And 
And now seeing just the way that Aldo, what Aldo did against Munoz, I, I am certainly looking forward to that fight. Yeah. I am certainly looking forward to this version of Aldo taking it to Dillashaw. Yes, I yeah. want to see it. I definitely want to see it. Uh, I did mention the 50K for Aldo, but there was also 50K for Gane, and I forgot to mention that. Um, Dana White had sat down at the podium and said there was uh, three performance bonuses plus fight of the night, which he typically does. Uh, so he announced Jessica Penne, Vincent Luque, and Miles Johns as uh, 50K bonuses. And then uh, one of the reporters, John Morgan, a uh, longtime MMA reporter, asked uh, why Gane wasn't uh, getting one. And Dana said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to give him 50K too. So uh, so there ended up being four performance bonuses and uh, fight of the night. So, um, yeah, so uh, Dana's uh, opening those perch strings like we've been asking him. He got those 75K to uh, a few of those pay-per-views, and now this one, uh, an extra 50K handed out. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. You know what I'd like to see, though, Dana? What I'd like to see is just like 75 and it's just be a thing. Across the board. Just, yeah. just across the board, like just going forward, you know, like that would that would help out a lot of these fighters. Yeah. A lot of these fighters have put their life on the line to put on a good product so that we can all enjoy it so that yeah. you can put more money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Uncle Dana. Open the, open it up. 75K makes more sense. Uh, straight across the board. You're right. So. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Michael Chiesa, Vincent Luque welterweight battle. Uh, Chiesa, I saw some really interesting comments that he made over the weekend after the fight. Uh, I think he thought he was way better on the ground. Uh, he had a 19 and 2 takedown ratio going into this one. Uh, he you know, thought he had the advantage, but uh, once Luque saw him stick his neck out a little bit, put that Darce choke on him and wouldn't let go. Uh, Kessa was forced to tap, and uh, Luque is uh, ooh, looking amazing lately. Uh, but Kiesa said that he mentally broke down, and he apologized, and he said something. Uh, I just feel like I had a mental breakdown and blew it on in this fight. Uh, I was surprised by the comments. I'm a little bit surprised. I think he's just being hard on himself. Because no. guess what? When you're at the highest level, and especially and when you're ranked like that, top six, which these guys are, I guess it was five, Luke was six. It's just one mistake, one yeah. half second, microsecond of a mistake, and that's all it takes. Yeah. I don't think he should be that hard on himself. He made a mistake, but he makes a mistake. Unfortunately, Luke saw said mistake and capitalized on it immediately. Yeah. And it was over. Yeah. Like, I, I, I give more credit to Luke with the fact that he did that to a ground specialist of Piazza's caliber. Amazing, yeah. He to catch that guy. That is freaking amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Man. That was, I, yeah. Yeah, I was super impressed. Very impressive. And I, yeah, I, I was amazed that uh, he was able to, yeah, uh, force the, the tap and, and get that, uh, that Darcy. Yeah, it's one of his favorite moves. Um, he comes out of that Sanford MMA, and we've been talking about that team for quite a while. Uh, great to see Gilbert Burns in his corner and Henry Hooft, as always. Uh, he's on a five-fight winning streak now and uh, looking great. Uh, he's got 12 finishes now, second most in history uh, in the division. 
Matt Brown is 14. Matt Hughes has 12, as well as the Silent Assassin now has 12. Uh, he called out Kamara Usman. Uh, I guess you might as well uh, ask to you know fight the the top, and uh, we'll see. Uh, Col Colby Covington has Usman next, obviously, but uh, yeah, we'll see if um, uh, Luke can uh, you know get get up to the you know the top of the uh, division and uh, get a shot at the champ. Well, if he doesn't get a shot at the champ, he gets one of the top three. Like, and then he'll get a shot at the champ because, like, right. that's that's what it is now for us. There we go. Either top three or the champ. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, let's talk about the women's strawweight fight between Tisha Torres and the little tiny tornado against uh, Angie Angela Overkill Hill. Uh, man, Torres is fast and tough, and holy cow, was she elusive! Uh, just amazing with her strikes and just uh, the quickness is just shocking to me uh i was really really blown away by her performance yeah um and it didn't seem like angela hill had a a plan b like no. i i think she 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 thought she could take uh tisha on her feet but what tisha demonstrated was she was way too fast way too for angela fast. on her on her feet was yeah. too much speed too much quickness and too much, and also too, Torres was able to put together combos all the time. Like when yeah. she blitz in, combo, 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 and then she's out again. Yeah. So I, I thought Angela Hill probably would have been better served if she just tried to wrestle her and take her to the ground, yeah. take away that airspace, but she couldn't find her. <laughs> no. At the end of the day, she, could, she couldn't track her down and find Tisha Torres. And then if she, when she did, she couldn't keep her on the ground. No, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Torres had a personal best with over 100 strikes, uh, significant strikes landed, and uh, easily won the unanimous decision. Uh, you know, definitely rubbed it in a little bit. I beat her twice now. Hey, you know, she's in the rearview mirror, a rearview mirror, and um, yeah, she she beat her grappling that first fight, beat her on the feet the second fight. Uh, yeah, she uh, you know definitely has. Uh, put her behind her now, and uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I think uh, that performance is going to bode well for her getting uh, a really great opponent coming up. Yes, as it should, as it should, because uh, she deserves that opponent. She she deserves a higher ranked opponent now for sure, and definitely Overkill is in her blinders. Yeah. Uh, the fight that kicked off the main card was uh, Casey Kenny against Song Yedong. And uh, I have very rarely seen a guy get so shocked and disappointed by a decision than Kenny did. Uh, he thought he had won. He was certain of it when the uh, judges uh, called it out. It was a split decision. Uh, man, Kenny looked upset. Uh, holy, uh, yeah. I, I, I wonder if he watched it again, uh, if he would say, have the same kind of opinion. I'm sure if he watched it again, he would definitely have the same kind of opinion. It was a very, very close fight, yeah. right? It was a very close fight. I thought, personally, Song was barely won that fight just from significant strikes and from his counters. And I thought that Song actually fought very, very well fighting backwards because Kenny kept going forward, Question, but yeah. Song... Song was able to fight very competently and efficiently fighting backwards. Yeah. And I thought that 
that his his competence and his accuracy with his strikes was definitely the difference in the fight. Yeah. But Kenny was super aggressive and was always marching forward. So he probably was thinking in his mind, if I'm always going forward and trying to initiate the action, then I should win this fight. That's no, that's not necessarily true though. Sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's- I thought uh, I had scored Song winning those first two rounds, just really, really, really close. But I thought he had won them. Um, he stuffed all the takedowns that Kenny was giving him. I wrote uh, zero takedowns, and then uh, at the very last second of the fight, Kenny ended up getting a takedown. So I went, "Oh shit!" Can't believe I spoke too soon, but um, th- that was key in my opinion. Him being able to stay on his feet, stuff those takedowns, and and just uh, grind out those first couple rounds. I thought Kate, Kenny probably won that third round, but it was too late. Yeah, it was it was too late. And yes, you were right about that. He stuffed all the takedown attempts that Kenny had. Yeah. Kenny actually didn't have any answer on how to get him to the ground. No, until that last, what, 30 seconds of round three when he finally got him to the ground. Yeah. At the, right around the, the end of that fight, uh, they showed some uh, famous people in Houston being there. Uh, they showed uh, Trey the Truth, uh, rap star. Uh, they showed Roger Clemens, uh, former Houston Astro, for many years with his son, who's a former Vancouver Canadian. And I have a little cool story to tell you. Uh, I went to a Canadians game. I had some uh, tickets uh, right behind home plate, and um, I uh, was I went to try to put, get some valet parking, and uh, the guy said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll move you over here and I'll put you here." And then all of a sudden, another vehicle came in, and they were another guy was trying to put him in my spot, and I was trying to get in the spot, and it turned out it was Roger Clemens. Uh, trying to get in the same spot as I was getting into. And finally, these guys ended up talking and moved me down a couple spots, gave him the most prime spot because uh, he was coming to watch his son play with the Seas. And uh, I got out of my car and I said, you're welcome. <laughs> and then I just walked into the stadium. And I kind of thought it was hilarious that, uh, yeah, we had a little bit of a short battle there. It didn't, uh, you know, lead to any kind of a fight, but uh, it was kind of hilarious. No, no, that, that's good. That, that is super cool. The one thing I was kind of shocked at when I when they showed Roger with his son, yeah. his son looks just like him. I know, like, yeah, exactly. I was just like, "Whoa, are you kidding me? Wow, <laughs> yeah, you're definitely his son. Yeah. You're definitely his son." I know, yeah. I don't know where his um, career is now. Uh, he was, he was, uh, yeah, a, a, you know, up and comer. Uh, I hope he's still, uh, you know, trying to make the majors. It would be great. Uh, speaking of majors, they showed Lee Majors, the $6 million man. Uh, that was cool. I haven't seen that guy in a long, long, long time. Yeah, that's that's right. I, I remember that when I, when he, they, they, they showed him. I was just like, holy cow, he's still alive. That's I, know. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hate that sometimes when I think, oh, man, I never knew that guy was still around. Oh, man, he's alive. But yeah. uh, he still looked great sitting there. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cage side, uh, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's neat when they go into some of these other markets that they don't normally go into very often. You see a few different types of stars there, and uh, it was neat. Yeah, no, it was it was cool, and I and I love it when they show like different celebrities. You know, not the, not just the same old, same old. Like where they yeah. they show all these guys, and I I love the fact 
that now you're seeing these different sort of celebrities show up at these events because it's just showing how much it's grown. Yeah. Which is good to see. Yeah, very good to see. Yeah. Okay, the featured prelim fight was the fight of the night. Uh, they both won 50K, and man, was it a fun fight. One of my favorite fights ever. Well, definitely fight of the year, in my opinion. Uh, just styles make fights. These two were just entertaining beyond belief. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. It was just so great. I wish I could see those guys fight. Every single Saturday, I would put my money down and watch them go at it again and again and again. It was awesome. It was super entertaining. It was some of the most entertaining. That was one of the most entertaining fights I think I've ever seen. Yeah. They were talking to one another <laughs> as they were fighting each other as yeah. well. Fizev had your, your, your typical technical style, bouncing around, movement, going in and out around Bobby. Yeah. Bobby hands down <laughs> all the time like he, he he kind of reminded me at times of boxer Pornell Whitaker with nice. how elusive and how evasive he was to wow. be hit he was just not there to be hit a lot of the time by one of the best strikers in that division yeah. and that and that was shocking to me it was shocking to me to see how much Pazev had to really think to figure Bobby Green out. Yeah. And he did by throwing leg kick to the body. That was his most effective strike because he could hit him with that. But when he tried to go head hunting, a lot of the time he hit air. He yeah. Yeah, no. Green is so elusive with his hands down. He just has an ability to be not where those punches are thrown, those kicks are thrown. And anytime any landed anyway, he's just, ah, come on. That that didn't hurt. No, no, no. That was hilarious. Come on. Uh, just awesome, awesome, awesome personality. And, and, and super fun and entertaining. Uh, I'm amazed that he, you know, loves fighting that way. I We haven't really seen that since. Um, Anderson Silva used to really clown like that and, and just, uh, you know, try to get in the guy's head. Uh, I, I, I was bothered quite often when Anderson did it. I just, I, I it sort of turned me off, but... Not with Bobby Green the way he was. Uh, I thought it was super fun and entertaining and, and great. And, and you know, at the end, he still had tons of stamina. He actually started really coming on and, and giving him all, the, all, he, all he could handle. And, and uh, you know, if it was a little bit longer, he might have been able to win that fight. But uh, Fiziev, I think, was ahead, you know, quite a bit through the fight. But, um, yeah, I would pay, as I said, again and again and again to watch those two guys go at it. Like, that was one of those fights. Green, yes, he lost, but he didn't lose in the eyes of the fans. No. He actually garnered more fans from that fight than anything else because, oh, yeah. like I said, in that third round, he was beginning to come on. Yeah. And Fiziev was finally tiring. And at the same time, still game, still throwing, yeah. but is able to even hit him even less now yeah. because now that he's tired. He was I, I was just... Tired, huh? I was so impressed with Bobby Green and the way that he fought and how he fought a guy of that caliber who is world-class yeah. when it comes to striking. I, I can't stress that enough on how good that guy's striking is. Bobby Green did that too. Yeah, I remember you and I talking about Bobby Green. He was on a, uh, a pretty bad streak there. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't winning. He was starting to look like maybe 
the end was near and he was on a on a pretty rough uh, streak he had lost a bunch in a row and uh, yeah we were starting to think oh maybe you know maybe he's not gonna be able to come out of this uh, but man uh, you know his his last uh, three wins he had Clay Guida, Lando Venata, and Alan Patrick, amazing performances. Uh, you know, he comes in. This one he had lost before, but uh, he lost the decision. But this one, yeah, I I think his stock really rose. I think they're going to love putting him on cards. And I, I don't think it'll be very long before we see him back in the octagon. And I, I hope they find another stylistic matchup like that. If they find another stylistic match like that, they're going to have be they're going to grant us another awesome fight yeah like it's like as you as they say styles make fights and that fight was as good as it gets when it comes to styles man i know it was so great yeah yeah it was fun and i'm glad that they both got uh that 50k because they they deserved it and it was fight of the night for sure uh okay um do you want to should we blast through this prelims a little bit uh do you want to yeah. Uh, go down to that uh, Alonzo Menafield uh, short fuse Herman fight. Would you like to mention that one? Yes, I definitely would because, first off, super impressed with Menafield yeah. on how he was, how he, how he fought. He was very smart with his conservation of his energy yeah. because he's an extremely muscular, strong man, and Fair. he has burnt himself out many times before. And against a guy like Herman who is incredibly sturdy, is going to be there to fight you the entire time, he knew that he had to take his time. And yeah. he did. But those leg kicks that he gave, dude. Oh, Jesus dude. Christ. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I, it's very rare to see a man's leg <laughs> pull up and destroy, which is what he was. Yeah. It was. It was so bad that the doctor had to come in to say, eh. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I was actually shocked that the doctor didn't call that fight because he was having a hard time just standing there while the doctor was talking to him. He was limping on it super bad. He, he took a couple of jumping steps to say, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good. But as soon as he, <laughs> soon as he stepped on it, oh, shit, you know, it was, it was beat up. It had a, a hematoma on the front of it. Uh, I would hate... To see his leg on Sunday, even today, would have been brutal. He would have probably had a hard time walking on it all week this week. Oh no, no, no! That 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 thing is like in an ice bath <laughs> for days, my oh, friend. Man. For days, I, I, you know, it's very rare to see a leg that chewed up and yeah. Menafield just he destroyed it to yeah. the point that even in the third round when they fought, Menafield knew he. He had no. He was not worried with anything coming back at him because Herman had no base. Yeah. Basically, he was just there to survive the fight and yeah. get through, and that was it. Yeah, it made me think that you know, although you know, he used to be able to you know have lethal leg kicks like that, and you know, he would be able to dominate guys, and they wouldn't have that base anymore. They wouldn't have that ability to push off and throw their jabs, throw their. Uh, you know, counter shots, they wouldn't, you know, have, be able to take him down anymore, that kind of thing. And I was surprised, but after, you know, maybe he didn't watch that fight, but uh, those calf kicks were just amazing. But uh, short fuse, Ed Herman, man, what a legend. Uh, he actually has the longest uninterrupted um, 
10-year time on the active roster. He started uh, June 24, 2006, and he's still fighting. Uh, you would have to... He's, a, he's another zombie. You would have to absolutely murder that guy to have him stop fighting. It's incredible. Yeah, it, he is incredible. Like, his durability, his longevity, like, the fact that he's still with us fighting 15 years in. As a professional fighter, and he's able to take that kind of a beating and still be like, "Yeah, still good. Let's do it. Let's do it." Yeah, yeah. Forty-three fights and uh, still going. Um, Menafield must have just been like, "What is it going to take to stop this guy?" He was hitting him with brutal calf kicks, but also heavy, heavy shots. Like uh, it would have taken down much lesser men. Yes, he, he nailed him with a couple shots straight to the chin, and he just walked through it like it was nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, much props to Herman, even in the loss. Uh, he called him a hooker. He said, oh, yeah, I know he's just a hooker. He, all he does is just throw hooks, so I knew uh, what my game plan was. That was his first career decision win. Uh, he usually KOs guys super fast, but... Uh, short fuse was not uh, getting out of there, and he was giving him his all. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool to see you guys still still at it. Uh, he's been you know into so many great wars, and I still love seeing uh, a lot of these veterans still going. Uh, okay, the uh, first fight of the featured prelims had uh, Carolina Kevlkevich uh, against Jessica Penne, and um, man. Uh, really, really, really phenomenal. Both these two are, are top of the food chain and uh, significant strikes in this division. Uh, two of the really, really elite. Uh, great fight between these two. Yes, great fight, but Kovacavich, she she made a tactical error. Yep. She went to the ground with Penny. That was she crazy. And as soon as she did that, it was almost like Penny just had a smile from ear to ear. She's like, oh, my God, she actually came down here. She should never have done it. And no. as soon as she did, it, it it turned against her in a heartbeat very, very quickly. Yeah. And then once once uh, uh, once Penny was working for that arm bar, she was working for that arm bar in that round one for the last two minutes. Yeah. He had two minutes to work that arm bar in. Wow. Way too long for somebody wow. else. Amazing, eh? Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, she just was relentless. She just had to get it, had to get it, had to get it. And, you know, finally it was she was forced to tap, and Mike Beltran had to pull her off. Um, uh, she was super emotional after that. Uh, she, she really uh, seems like she's back. And, um, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, uh, it was funny because she went down to the ground quite early on and was just like, come on, come on down. And and uh, it was surprising that Kovalkiewicz uh, ended up deciding to, to do it. And uh, yeah, big tactical error there because Penny is, uh, yeah, a beast on the ground. A beast. Yeah, she is. And when she was doing that, like enticing her to come down, I'm like, no, she's not going to do that, is she? Oh, no, she did. Okay, well, that's not a good one. That's not good. Like I just knew that wasn't a that was a tactical error. She yeah. would never have gone down into her world. No. Get her to come back up, because her, her best shot at reading that fight was on her feet, not no. on. The yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, the uh, uh, early prelims, uh, four fights on that one. Uh, which one do you really want to highlight and feature there? Um, I, I wanted to actually highlight the second fight between okay. Leonardo and Gatto because I was impressed with Gatto's heart with the mere fact that she broke her broke her arm oh, no. yeah in the first yeah. round yeah. And fighting and then it was only going into I want to say the third round where the doctor finally noticed it and said hey oh, wait 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 let's take a look at that arm yeah. and she was just like I can fight through it it's fine and the doctor's like no no not fine it's broken <laughs> yeah I can't let you fight sorry yeah. I I'm always impressed by the spirit and the heart that these fighters have. Oh, I'm man. always impressed by the fact that they're willing to go through fire, through everything, yeah. just to just to keep competing. And I was super impressed by her. Oh, yeah, you're right, man. Uh, yeah, it, it's week after week after week. Uh, we just say, holy cow, these people are, you know, some of the toughest people on the planet. And, and the, the fighters just never want to quit. Uh, she had said to her corner, um, I can't even throw my, uh, my arm there. It's done. And they're like, what, what's wrong with it? Um, broken. And she goes, I don't know, but I just can't throw it anymore. It's just not possible, but I, I'm still really willing to get it back out there. And her corner's like, great. And they start giving her the, you know, strategy that they want her to employ. But I don't know if one of the, um, officials kind of overheard her talk about that arm, but, uh, once he actually saw it you could see there was a break to it and oh, yeah. uh, i'm glad the doctor said no 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 uh you know this has to end uh, she was super disappointed but um you don't want to you know risk anything further with something like that yeah it's the doctor's job is to protect the fighters yeah. at all costs like even even beyond what the fighter would want it's his job to do that so he did his job yeah. correct he, he, he protecting her from herself yeah. Even though she was incredibly game, he's like, nah, man, fight's over. Right? No. You're injured and you need to get this taken care of now. So, uh, I, I want to mention the Miles John Anderson Dos Santos bantamweight fight. Bantamweight is uh, probably the deepest division in the UFC. Uh, these guys were um, supposed to fight uh, about uh, three, four weeks ago. It was rescheduled. Uh, they uh, were finally able to do it. Uh, Dos Santos was getting beat up really bad by Johns early, and he uh, limped to his corner. His leg was just so bad that he said, I'm screwed. I can't even step backward on this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, he ended up going all the way into the third round and, and fighting with a leg that he couldn't step backward on. Um, and finally, this is a highlight reel KO. Uh, John's hit a, him with a huge left to the body and then overhand right that cracked him on the chin and just uh, dropped him, just kaboom, walk-off, knockout. Uh, yeah, if you, if you, any of the viewers, listeners, people haven't seen it, find it, uh, one of the knockouts of the year. Uh, and another example of an amazingly tough guy that had a, a leg that wasn't even working and he ended up fighting right into the third round. Yeah, again, and and also too, I'm sure John's just thinking, what do I gotta hit this guy with to get him out of here? No, yeah. well, apparently it's like I gotta hit him with everything I have. 
with this overhand right yeah yeah it was it was insane and uh i also really love the uh bantamweight battle between johnny munoz and jamie simmons and munoz got the rear naked choke uh halfway through the second round uh super impressive performance and as i say that bantamweight division is uh probably the deepest in the ufc and you got to go through killers to you know make your way up the ranks there and uh yeah uh, i'm i'm blown away at the quality of guys that are there so yeah that was an awesome card man uh so many great fights throughout uh really good pay-per-view that they put on and uh, yeah it's a little while before we get another pay-per-view uh way into september but we have a uh, a fight night coming up this this coming week um not i don't believe i don't believe it's this weekend uh next weekend. One, the next one yeah so we got a one week break uh this is jared cannoneer and kelvin gastelum um man two guys at the in the middleweight division that have both been really right at the top uh, i think this is going to be a hell of a battle yeah it's it's going to be style styles make fights and this is one of the most interesting stylistic fights that i can ever remember for a long time like i i'm super curious to see what kind of tactics both men come in to the octagon with because mm -hmm. It, it could be very different from what I or from what I'm conceiving in my mind. So I, I'm looking forward to the fight. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a ton of fun, and uh, yeah, a lot of good uh, fighters on that card. Uh, we'll be able to break that down next week, I'm sure. Uh, anybody stand out that you'd like to mention uh, to any of our listeners and viewers? Uh you know what? I, I'm just I'm just gonna say the the Cannoneer to Gastelum fight for me, anyways, yeah. personally. Like it's yeah. that's the fight that I I just I'm looking at them both, and I just I I'm just looking at both of their styles. Oh man! And we just don't know what to expect from either of them. I don't know if Cannoneer could just decide to just be like, you know what? I'm just gonna wrestle the guy. Yeah. Instead of like stand up with him, but he could stand up with him and say, I think I can overpower him, and again, Gastelum could decide to take him down too as well. Like it, they could, this fight could go in more any way that you can, that you could imagine. Yeah. And, and then that's why I'm looking at that one. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, it, I, I, I don't have a call on that. This one, I, I think both guys are amazing fighters and uh, I think uh, it's going to be incredible, incredible fight. Uh, always great to see Clay Guida, the carpenter. He's on the co-main uh, we've got uh, uh, Alex Pantoja against Brandon Roy Val, which should be a, a really good flyweight battle. And um, yeah, we're uh, uh, we're having a one week break, so it'll be uh, a little bit of a rest for us. Um, yeah, the only uh, you know sports now that we're really going to be focusing in on uh, you and I uh, football season. Uh, they had the Hall of Fame game. Uh, last weekend with the uh, Pittsburgh winning 16-3 over Dallas, uh, we'll start seeing some preseason games. But uh, a lot of the starters, a lot of the guys that are going to be on the roster won't be playing until the last couple games of the season. So won't be a ton of breakdown uh, next week. But um, this was uh, this was fun as always. Uh, I said I was going to mention about uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, and we'll end with, with that. Uh, I will quote him. This is a quote coming from Sean O'Malley. He said, I don't know if I'm even supposed to say this. 
I was talking to my manager and he was talking to Sean Shelby and Sean Shelby was really mad at me, supposedly. Uh, he said, I don't want to fight in New York. They asked me to fight in New York. It's too far from where I live. The taxes are ridiculous. And one of my guys in my gym is fighting in something else that I'm cornering on. So it didn't make sense. I said, I want to fight in Vegas next. Give me a fight next month in Vegas and that's no problem. Uh, he said, Sean Shelby was super mad and said, oh, well, uh, go and hang out with those rap stars like 6 9 uh, That's all you want. You don't obviously want to fight, so F off. And uh, so he said, wow. And he said, oh, he said, uh, Sean Shelby supposedly said, just you're acting like a effing tool. And uh, he said, Nope, uh, we're, we're not interested in, in putting you in a fight in Vegas. Uh, you can just go down to the bottom of the roster. So, uh, woo! Uh, calling out the matchmaker. Probably not a great move for O'Malley. Uh, he talked about, uh, he's been talking about how the fighters aren't being paid properly and he needs more. Um, I think this could be career-threatening by talking about Dana White and Sean Shelby and calling them out. Yeah, usually Dana doesn't take too kindly to anybody doing that. Like anybody stepping out of line in the organization. He doesn't take too kindly to that. And also, too, usually you never hear about the matchmaking, right? No, no. Usually you never hear about that. But with him just saying, well, you know, like I got the audio and here it is. <laughs> you know, like, like it, it just uh, it, it, it's not I don't know if it's the smartest move especially no. if you want to keep fighting in the UFC there, you know like obviously you can be mad at what the UFC does but if you're going to embarrass them not smart like it's just not smart for anybody yeah. that has an employer you don't, you, you don't want to embarrass your employer uh, he goes on to say some things that, uh, you know, maybe he was like, oh, mea culpa, I better say some stuff. But he said, hey, UFC doesn't need me, that's for sure. They would be 100% fine without me. But if they want another huge, giant star, I could fill that role for sure. But they don't need me, to be honest. They don't really need me. Uh, he said, it's not cool, though, treating me like that. Uh, they act like I'm, you know, just hanging out with rap stars all the time. He goes, I hung out with 6 9 once. And he goes, it was for three days, but it was just <laughs> once. <laughs> and then he says, uh, no, just don't treat me like a piece of ooh. And uh, he said, I don't really want to deal with Sean Shelby anymore. I'm going to deal with Dana directly and uh, everything will be fine. But uh, I don't think that that's how the UFC operates and works things. And uh, So... Anyway, a f kind of an interesting, fun way to end the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what shakes out for Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, he might have to be looking at uh, some other promotions fairly soon. Yeah. And you know what, though? But I do like the fact that he's shone a light on Sean Shelby because we do forget that these matchmakers have a ton of power within the UFC organization, right? Yeah. And with the way that it's coming across to me, it's almost, not saying that it is, it's almost like he's bullying him into taking a fight. Right. So, right. Yeah. that being said, how often do they do that to fighters? 
Good question. Yeah, good question. Yeah, yeah, no. because, yeah. And, and and it's funny to, for me to even say that because you bully a fighter, that seems like that that can't be a thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't be a thing. That's for sure. Yeah. He was vocal earlier this year about the UFC's uh, former contract uh, uh, from Reebok, which he claimed was uh, very exploit uh, exploitative of him. Uh, there also was a lot of talk. Uh, I saw on the shirt of the Beast, he walked out and uh, they had a little Venom sign, a little UFC sign, and Crypto.com was across the front. And supposedly... Uh, Dana and the UFC have a new contract with Crypto.com, but zero money is going to the fighters, supposedly, off this one. Uh, but the crypto was huge on the Beast shirt. Uh, I'm surprised that no money is going to the fighters over it. Yeah, because now that, that it's, a, it's like they're a walking signboard. But if I'm a walking signboard walking in with it, and I work for your organization, I should get something from that. Yeah. You should. Yeah. They should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's too bad. Uh, yeah. It's too bad that uh, we have to ever talk about this kind of stuff. I I just wish these guys get paid what they're worth. You know, they're putting their lives on the line for this. Uh, you know, it can be a very short career and you can have some, uh, you know, life altering things happen to you. A lot of these guys will have injuries and, you know, they'll walk like old men when they're still a young man. And, uh, you know, they deserve a lot of money. And uh, it just, just seems like, you know, the UFC uh, always stays unwilling to really give guys, uh, you know, all the way down the roster what they're worth. And, and yeah. They're yeah, and, and, and it, it's, it's, it's shocking to me because now those Paul brothers actually have a point. Yeah. And their point is this. How can, they, how can these former UFC stars get paid more with us, with our fucking boxing extravaganza or whatever the heck you want to call that, they can get paid more with us than they ever did with your organization that's actually official and legit. Yeah. That's a problem. That's is a super big problem. Yeah. It's not good. And and those Pauls, uh, yeah, they just will, are relentless with their beef with the UFC and they just, uh, they won't, they won't keep quiet about it. And um yeah it'll be interesting to see how that uh unfolds in the next uh couple years because uh the polls seem to be able to attract a lot of really big uh, names into these uh sort of you know exhibition fights and it's kind of crazy yeah it is but i i you know what at the end of the day though too i like the fact that they just keep shining that spotlight on yeah. the ufc and yeah. you know what i i i applaud it and i want to keep it keep it on them keep yeah. it happening so that people are always aware that, oh, they're just always criminally underpaid, criminally underpaid, criminally underpaid. I want that to be a mantra so that all of a sudden the pay starts getting up there where it should be. Yeah. I cannot wait for a podcast where we say, hey, we finally reached a road where these guys are getting paid fairly. That's going to be such a monumentous uh, day and we're going to have to celebrate with a bunch of beers and uh, yeah, really uh, maybe spray some champagne and and uh yeah finally get to see this sport um yeah reach a status that it should uh you know we, i think a lot of uh the professional sports out there we, we mentioned basketball these guys are getting paid uh tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, these ufc fighters 
uh, should be you know included in those types of figures when we when we talk about them and and see them perform yes yes they should like I, I know that obviously boxing has a longer history than uh, mixed martial arts but I just want to see the fighters get to that level once yeah. they get to that level that's what they deserve yeah and I, I hope it's sooner than later and it's going to attract, uh, you know, better and better athletes, uh, you know, when the money's, uh, you know, comparable to football, to basketball, to baseball, to, you know, f uh, soccer, uh, you know, it, we're just going to see uh, the athleticism that, that, you know, guys will want to, you know, compete in that. Uh, they'll be able to make as much as, you know, the, the, the top athletes and stars in all the other sports. So, uh, you know, it can only really benefit the, the sport in the end. Yes. Yeah. And, but that's the long term. That's yeah. that's the long term goal that they have to always be focused on. Because mm -hmm. short term is just short term stuff. Long term is where they want because you want this sport to last. It has to have longevity. So mm -hmm. with that being said, you want to have the long term goal in mind at all times. Yeah. Hey man, this was awesome as always. Uh, I enjoy our conversation. Super look forward to it and. Uh, I'm glad you had a good weekend, a, a great Monday. Uh, thanks for finishing off your Monday with me and with us. And uh, hope you have an awesome week ahead, man. Uh, yeah, keep in touch, and we'll uh, we'll see you one week from today. Yeah, you betcha, man. Don't work too hard, okay? Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, buddy. Okay. All the best. Bye for now. Bye for now. Okay, we've reached another one. I didn't think it would run this long. I say this a lot. Uh, it, it didn't run as long as my guest appearance on the All Even podcast with Barry Grant. Uh, that podcast was over three and a half hours. So, uh, But please uh, check it out online. Uh, you can find it on YouTube and all the podcast platforms out there. Uh, please go to completemedianetwork.com. Find all the great content we're putting on. We're putting on so much content. We will be able to entertain you in so many ways. So uh, please go on there. Uh, again, thanks, Lorraine, for bringing the computers and allowing us to do this and get this done. And thanks for all your tireless work on the website. Um, I've been showing it to tons of people and really getting great feedback. I thank you so much, everybody, for checking it out and giving me great feedback and uh, showing, uh, yeah, your support. Uh, so, uh, speaking of support, uh, I want to go to our partners and sponsors and... Uh, I really want to, um, yeah, let you know about all the great people that uh, help us put this together. And uh, no, it's not showing up here. So uh, we're going to talk about Anchor FM, the easiest place to make a podcast. Uh, just go to anchor.fm and follow all the details, and you can do what Jason and I just did here. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company. Uh, V350 stick is a must stick. You got to get it in your hands. It is amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, designers of uh, West Coast curated, handmade, beautiful things for your homes and also forever living. The Aloe Vera Company, they make products for health and beauty. Thank you so much to our partners and sponsors. Uh, it really helps us do this and bring you more great content. Uh, hope you enjoyed the Olympics. Hope you enjoyed that free agent frenzy and the UFC. As always, um, they just continue to churn out uh, great cards. One week break. 
Uh, Jason and I will cover a few things. Uh, we'll have a great conversation again next Monday. But, um, yeah, I guess we're looking forward to football coming soon. Uh, we'll be able to break down a lot of NFL games. And Anyway, uh, love you guys lots. Uh, CompleteMediaNetwork.com. Go there. You will not be disappointed. Take care of yourself. Have a great week ahead. Love you lots. Bye for now.